0: Hey, everybody. One of my favorite conversations I've had recently is right here on the Charlie Kirk Show with Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review. He's super smart and he makes some incredibly important points when it comes to voter fraud. Where are the Republicans? And did you know that there is one last line of defense? It's called the U.S. Senate that could possibly prevent Joe Biden from becoming president. That and so much more on this program. If you feel blessed by this program in any way and we have helped you make sense of the news and you want to get behind our work, our team, our research that we are publishing and doing here on The Charlie Kirk Show, go to charliekirk.com support. That is where you can support what we are doing every single day to get the news information that you trust. And if you want more young people to hear this message, go to charliekirk.com support. Daniel Horowitz is here. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Look, it's Christmas season. A lot of you guys are emailing us, freedom at charliekirk.com. How do I Give back this Christmas season. Look, I know it's been a tough year, but those of us that are Christians, we are called to help and to assist regardless of the circumstances around us. Whether we had a blessed year or a tough year, it's time to step up and do something. I think we all know that. That's why we are partnering with Angel Tree. Angel Tree is great. They help kids whose parents are in prison. It's not even about the fact of what their parents did, it's the fact that the kids are alone. And the kids, If they do not hear from their parents, they're more likely to also get involved in crime in the future. So let's really communicate the love of Jesus Christ with a personalized note from their dad and an access to a Bible in either Spanish or English. And that's what the Fellowship Angel Tree Program does. Last year, the Angel Tree Program blessed over 300,000 children of prisoners all across America. What's so cool is that if you give directly, it doesn't go to overhead or all that stuff. It goes straight to the kid, especially this Christmas season. And so let's just keep it easy. Just go to charliekirk.com. There's a banner on the top of it, charliekirk.com, and we are getting behind it. We're donating a little bit of money from the Charlie Kirk Show to Angel Tree because we really believe in what they're doing. There's an Angel Tree banner there on charliekirk.com. You guys can check it out and support what we are doing. Um, And I think that's really important because for a gift of $220, you can bless 10 children of prisoners with a personalized Christmas present and a personal note from their incarcerated parent. Plus, every Angel Tree family is also given access to free, easy-to-read copy of the Bible in English or Spanish. So check it out at charliekirk.com. Very, very important. Thank you guys so much for that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Charlie Kirk Show. If you're listening to this, we have not been censored, so congratulations for that. Yet, we are here with Daniel Horowitz, who is one of the smartest people on the planet. I love reading everything he publishes. It's always thoughtful and very interesting. And Daniel, if my memory serves me correctly, we were on Life, Liberty, and Levin together. I can't believe it. It was a
1: couple of years ago. It's the last time we were
0: there together. And my gosh, how the world has changed since then. You were warning then about everything we're living through. Unfortunately, you're correct. I wish you would have been wrong. You have an amazing story uh, that says, a new analysis shows Biden winning nearly impossible margins on mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania. It's a great article. We've referenced this three or four times on our radio program and our podcast. Walk us through it.
1: Sure. I mean, the important thing about all this, like any criminal case you put together, is that you look at all the circumstantial evidence. Some cases are smoke. You don't have the fire yet, but you have definitive fire in a general sense. And then a specific sense, you see the smoke, you put it together and you know there's something awry. And basically, to begin with, we know the entire uh, mail-in regime was built upon a, a series of decisions that were made not pursuant to law. So the entire notion that you could have over two and a half million more mail-in ballots in a given state one election, and then somehow have rejection rates one-twenty-seventh the level of where it was when you had fewer ballots, you know right away, wait a minute, that that doesn't really seem to add up. But then when you delve into it, you see very specifically it it not only doesn't add up from a political science perspective, it's very contradictory. And it all has the same common thread, the only common thread through all the contradictions, and that is the malins really didn't like Trump, and they really liked Biden, even relative to other people in the same party. So Biden seemed to always do better than other Democrats and Malins. And Trump seemed to do worse, even relative to other Republicans. And that's very important because everyone agrees that generally speaking, Democrats mailed out more mail-in ballots and Biden would get more mail-ins. But I think what's important to realize is that none of us are asserting that Trump carried Pennsylvania or Wisconsin by 10, 15 points. No, we're saying the same way they're, they're trying to show Biden ahead by a half a percentage or so. Really, Trump was on the other end by half a percent or percent. So you understand, Charlie, there's a big difference between winning 65% of the statewide mail-ins versus 77%. So that's the general proposition. The specifics we're seeing here is this. It's simple math. I Hats off to the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania for actually divi- breaking down the ballot returns based on Election Day versus mail-ins. And what you'll find is if you we already know the components of that sum, how many ballots Trump got for Election Day, how many for uh, uh, mail-ins. And we also know uh, the percentage breakdown of who mailed in mail-in ballots based on independent or non-affiliated Republican and Democrat. If, it's simple math, simple arithmetic based on the numbers we know. So I want to make it very clear. This is hard data. Okay, this is not speculative. In order to get the result that Biden got in total, he would have had to have gotten more than 80% of the independent vote, more than 21% of the Republican mail-in vote, meaning registered Republicans, registered Indies, and 95% of Democrats. And the, the problem with that is, from a political science standpoint, in the states where democrats didn't really need to win meaning either they were very blue or very red you'd never you didn't find that you could you you look at for example let's take the republicans you want to tell me there's a little bit of a liberal bias in mail in voters i i could hear that even within republicans maybe but there is no evidence of crossover republicans i think we all saw that from the exit polling data Lead up to the election, there was a lot of talk that Trump was losing a lot of Republicans. Not true. He might have bled a little bit with independents, not with Republicans. They actually turned out in record numbers for him. The notion that he's going to get record numbers of Republicans as the average of total mail in and election day, but if you isolate mail ins, 21% of registered Republicans went for Biden. That doesn't add up, nor does the 80%. Indies. And actually, it's a little bit more than that because the 80% number wouldn't have gotten him to the break-even point that he got, maybe 82%. According to exit polls, in totality, Biden got about 53, 55% of independent vote. You would have to have some sort of spread of Biden getting 35, 40% of election day Indies and 80, 82% of mail-in independents. Again, you could say there's a little bit more of a liberal bias, but these are the things that people who do auditing and accounting, these are the type of numbers you look for. But let me just take it to the hammer here, where I think what brings this out completely is this. You look down ballot. There's a lot of talk in several states about Biden-only mail-in ballots, which are very suspicious. Now, people debate over them. Well, look, there's a lot of people that they're not into the down-ballot things. The presidential race is the hot ticket. That's what everyone focuses on. And I guess implicit in that is an admission from the left that Democrats are more low-information voters. So more of their dudes only fill out the presidential box. All right, I mean, maybe they're right about that. Democrats tend to be more low-info, and they probably have that, where more Democrats only fill out presidential ballot than Republicans do. The problem is if you look at the Pennsylvania situation, it 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 basically takes out all those variables. So there were audit there was a race for state auditor and a separate race for state treasurer. Very obscure Republicans that nobody ever heard of first time candidates. They actually won. They flipped the seats. They won with fewer votes than Trump, supposedly losing. Now, okay, you could say there's less of a universe because fewer people fill out the down-the-ballot things. Well, what's interesting is this. Both of those Republicans, even though they got fewer votes in total than Trump, they got more raw votes than Trump on mail-ins, fewer substantially on election day. Hold that thought. All right, well, you know, maybe uh, people logically you would think And I know I felt this personally on election day. You wait there for an hour. You feel very pressured. You feel like you might want to make room for the next person. You're there for an hour. Maybe you're not going to sit and read the ballot questions. You're less careful to fill them out. Okay, I got my Trump. If you're a Democrat, I got my Biden. Okay, got that there. But if you're filling out a ballot in the comfort of your home, you got all the time in the world. Maybe you could look up on the internet, who, who, who is this auditor person I never heard of? and. Maybe that's why there's more down-the-ballot votes, more Republican voters on through mail-ins filled out down-the-ballot than Election Day Republicans. You switch to the attorney attorney's general race where the Democrat won. Dan Shapiro is not as well-known as Trump and Biden, but he's very well-known. I mean, he's been all over the place in Pennsylvania, much more so than the auditor and treasurer. So, well, wait a minute. I mean... If the down-the-ballot dudes did better in mail-ins, you would sure as heck expect Dan Shapiro, who overall won by the largest margin statewide of anyone, presidential, auditor, treasurer, you would expect him to really do much better relative to Biden Malins? Nope, there it's the opposite. There, it turns out that he did better than Biden with election day votes, But when it comes to mail-ins, Biden did better than even Dan Shapiro did. You put, and I know that took a little bit of time to put together, but this is kind of that circumstantial evidence. You put it all together that certainly once we know that they're not matching the signatures and we know that they had the curable ballots, but just in Allegheny and Philadelphia, and we know that they kicked out the Republican inspectors, even after the court said you have to do it. Dude, where there's
0: fire and there's smoke, there's even more fire. What could explain this? Because you have this unbelievable. I mean, you're you're walking through this article, and everyone to check it out. New, new analysis shows Biden winning by it's magical, right? This is Houdini. This is there's there's no way that this happens organically. What you just walked us through here, and what could possibly explain this? Well, I mean, just
1: off the bat, there's no way that you could have um, 27 times or uh, 27 times greater acceptance rate with 10 times greater number of mail-in ballots when all Nate Silver was warning about this. New York times did a whole article in the lead up to the election. They were quoting studies that there's three times the rejection rate among first timers who aren't used to filling out absentee ballots. There's just, I mean, you put it all together. We, we, we know there's no way. And the only answer is, and unless someone has a better answer is that you had a bunch of ballots. And I'm not saying all 2.6 million mail-ins were fraudulent. A lot of Democrats legitimately voted through mail. But again, we're not talking about 2.6 million fraud. We're talking about 100, 200,000 b- ballots that were harvested and handed in by third-party officials and organizations that had Biden-only ballots and not Trump ballots. And that's how you have a scenario Where Biden does so much better than Trump, even relative to all the down the ballot candidates, inversely so between the Democrat attorney general and Republican auditor and treasurer.
0: I, th- I think there's multiple p- parts to that there's the voter registration part of it, which was actually registering faulty voters. 90 plus year olds saw a massive spike in voter registration in Pennsylvania, a 1,774 percent increase in voter registration in Pennsylvania. Then there's the ballot laundering practices where it's just the interception, filling out and cleaning of the ballots. So you put them in these massive drop boxes that were funded by the Center for S- uh, Technology and Civic Life. Then I think there were shenanigans in the vote counting process, actually the tabulation, Vote seers that weren't allowed access, all of this. Uh, Daniel, you're one of the most rational, one of the most uh, reasoned based writers and thinkers out there. Everything you do is rooted in reason, which is why I like uh, reading what you write. Uh, it's real, there's not a lot of conjecture. Is it fair to say this election was stolen? I would say yes. And
1: the reason is this. It's not like we're coming out of nowhere. This was done in broad daylight meaning the foundation for this. And let's leave the whole dominion part out of it. Let's just even, I'm not even getting to that. The foundation of this, there's election law fraud and this ballot fraud, the election law fraud we saw up front. I mean, you just had um, executives in these States aided and abetted by lower courts. And and by the way, this is important because a lot of people are like, Oh, how dare you get the federal, the Supreme court involved in a federal question? Well, the reason why you don't have matching uh, signatures in, in Pennsylvania is because the League of Women Voters went to the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, which is a federal court. And that and that got the Secretary of State to create this settlement where they didn't do it. Well, I mean, it's the Supreme Court's got to clean up the mess of their lower court. They they created an environment for them to do this out in the open. So it's not like we're conjecturing and speculating, well, maybe they had this crazy fraud. mail have been known to be fraudulent since mcclellan's time in 1864 i mean heck the washington post wrote a article on that in the summer um you know when when this wasn't viewed as is what would determine the election and now that you have an entire electorate put on an unverifiable mail-in system it's obvious it was and i'll tell you this you know whenever it's trump at stake So it automatically becomes super political and no one's going to think about it rationally. Anyone who supports Trump is going to say it's stolen. Anyone who doesn't say it says it's not. But you take a look at systemically the mail-in ballots, even where the presidential election wasn't in contention. Look at New York. They're still counting it. They still don't have have races determined. You have judges there, county judges in District 22. uh, That's Claudia Tenney's district saying, we have a major problem here. Okay, this is not... This is not even Republican judges. This is not in the states that matter. This is in New York where the mail-ins broke the system. I mean, that was done openly. We openly know there's been fraud like this in the inner cities for years. So you marry the two, you marry the desire, which we know is there, the organizations which we know are out there, with the open opportunity that state Supreme Courts, lower federal courts, and various secretaries of states and governors accorded them it, it it flows like butter, and I think, Charlie, the only question is, how deep does it run? But if you look at the margins and you look at what they are alleging that Biden achieved through those very mail-ins, it is pretty safe to say that he likely won Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania by at least those margins that he supposedly lost them by.
0: And so what's stunning is that typically in elections, things work in patterns. They work in waves. Uh, You're able to see certain trends emerge. One of the things that fascinate me the most about politics is how someone that lives in Parkersburg, West Virginia, will think very similar to someone that lives 2000 miles away in northern Minnesota. Uh, They have similar demographics. They have similar ways of viewing information. They have similar patterns to life and similar values. What it makes no sense whatsoever is how regionally it seems that President Trump was able to win historically and decisively. The best example of this is Florida, Florida that had almost all their votes in by 930 Eastern. They have a phenomenal governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, who's a total hero and a friend of mine. He deserves recognition. And at the last count, it looks like that Donald Trump will win Florida by 3.8 points, which is a blowout by Florida standards. I mean, that is yeah. a That's like winning California by 25 points. Just to give you an idea, that is an unbelievable blowout in Florida. Greater than Obama in 2008. That's correct. Think about that. That Trump won Florida more decisively than Obama did in 2008 against a weak candidate, McCain, and a referendum on the Republicans, war weariness, all that sort of stuff. How is it possible that Georgia was lost? I I cannot process it. You win North Carolina by 100,000 votes. You win Florida decisively. Alabama, you win by 30 points, whatever it was. Tennessee, you win. Regionally, there was this wave, except in Georgia. The same thing in Pennsylvania. President Trump did unbelievably well in Ohio, really well. Uh, Eight and a half points, I think, at the last tabulation. It's super well in Iowa, seven points. Yet, for whatever reason, it was Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. So let me play devil's advocate, if I can, really quick. They say it's because Joe Biden focused on those states it's because he ran ads there, and he didn't care about those other states. How is that incorrect? Well, he he
1: did focus on them, all right, and but he didn't have a ground game much, but he had an underground game, and that's what we see. Um, look, we might have thought Ohio was safe Republican, that was not from the polling data. That was the polling data had it about even there. Um, they absolutely did run there. He ran. Um, he uh, uh, visited there. He visited Iowa till pretty late. Um, the common threat of Florida, Iowa, and Ohio is that Republicans fully shut down the ballot harvesting. So, I mean, Ron wasn't having any of that garbage in Florida. But in Ohio, even where you have a very weak Republican, but the Attorney General had a very hard-fought victory in the Supreme Court. It took about four years to clean the rolls. Um, if you remember, the Supreme Court was one of the, one of the most landmark rulings we've had recently on election law. They've had that there in Iowa. They didn't have any of the problems. So you look at the Rust Belt, and it's very asymmetrical. And and let me flesh this out. So going into election night, a lot of us were saying, look, we already knew he was going to win Iowa and Ohio. We knew the polls were wrong. But like if he only wins those states by two, three, you're going to have a problem. But he wound up winning Ohio. Like, let me just say this. He won Mahoning County. That's Youngstown. That is the FDR coalition. He did very well in it last time, came close. He flipped it. It would shock the consciousness of anyone five years ago to say, um, you're going to have a Republican win, Youngstown. Uh, Barack Obama won it by about 35 points. Mahoning, Youngstown is eerie. That that, that little dividing line there in Pennsylvania Western PA, it, it's irrelevant, it, except for college football is the only difference where Eastern Ohio views themselves as different. But to me, it doesn't make sense. that he, he just about didn't make it in, in Youngstown last time. This time he flipped it, but then you went backwards in Erie. The Erie-Youngstown uh, thing makes no sense to me. Um, broadly speaking, you look at the upper Midwest and the Rust Belt, it makes no sense. And then, you know, obviously in Cleveland, you know – the black turnout is down. Trump shaves off a few points from that too. And then suddenly exactly where they need it in Atlanta, in um, uh, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, and Detroit. And and look, you know, you want to tell me it was a little bit more leaning red in Ohio, fine. But the polls had it dead even. It wasn't like saying it's Idaho or something. And if anything, the polls, you know, the WSB poll had Trump up four in and in and, and Georgia. So in, in other words, the RCP average did not have Trump doing better in Ohio than Georgia. That's, that's the reality. They're about the same deal. But then let me add another thing in there too. You look at Minnesota, and I'll never forget, I thought Trump would flip it. And the reason is this. Minnesota, Trump lost it by just 1.4 per percentage last time. There's been a realignment there. It's very much non-college-educated whites. like I never had him winning New Hampshire. Very college-educated, even though that was the closest margin last time. I felt he would lose it. We, we know he was bleeding in the suburbs, but that was already baked into the cake. You said Florida. Florida is a great example. What we did is we did an analysis and looked at Miami-Dade County. There was a revolution there. Um, Trump did worse than typical Republicans among the Cubans four years ago. And then now he did better than ever. But so you might say, oh, that's different. Miami-Dade had that whole flip. But even if you take it out, Trump still would have won Florida. Meaning if you would have given Biden's, if you would give Biden Hillary's margin in Miami-Dade, Trump still would have won by more than he won last time. So that tells you, yes, we know the bleeding in Tampa suburbs hillsborough and duval and jacksonville that was accounted for we understood that but he still won so that equivalent in the milwaukee suburbs in the detroit suburbs in the pennsylvania suburbs that was baked into the cake already but the the notion that somehow you would slide backwards so again he won by 1.4 okay Uh, lost it by 1.4 in minnesota this time we are to believe He lost Minnesota by more than seven points back to pre-realignment. Romney, that's Romney's margin of loss there. While Republicans flipped two congressional seats and five state legislative seats there. But But the difference is those weren't in the Twin Cities metro where Biden blew out Obama's margins. And that state wasn't – you would say, well, that, that that was not a focal point state. That was a little bit more like the gravy on top. Trump didn't need to win it, and they got it there too. So you, you see what I'm saying? They didn't focus in, in there, and I could go on to New Mexico is a similar thing. I'm not saying that Trump won New Mexico, but that the notion that he lost it by 11. Trump's two big things are non-college-educated. And Hispanics, he did much better. That's what New Mexico is all about. I'm not saying he won it, but he slid backwards while Republicans flipped the House seat and flipped some seats in the legislature there. It it, it just, it, it doesn't add up.
0: Does it make sense that the company who controls half of online retail eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of search results, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech and big data, they're more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts, and that's why I use ExpressVPN. Look, they're spying on you right now. We talk about this a lot on the Charlie Kirk Show. Do you want to protect yourself from spying thieves? Then it's ExpressVPN. Think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch and message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, something big tech can use to personally identify you. This is camouflage, okay? This is the invisibility cloak, Harry Potter style, to hide yourself from ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. And ExpressVPN does all this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. What I like most about ExpressVPN, and I use it every day, is you download the app on your phone, one button you're protected. So stop handing over all your personal data to big tech, the monopoly that we talk about a lot on this program, so do something about it. Don't just complain. Protect yourself. It's ExpressVPN, the only VPN I trust. ExpressVPN.com slash Charlie, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Charlie to get three extra free months free. Go to ExpressVPN.com slash Charlie right now to learn more. Well, and Minnesota is very perplexing because if you remember, the Iron Range mayors all came out for Donald Trump. That Duluth, northeastern part of Minnesota was extremely pro-Trump. We're supposed to believe that Trump lost Minnesota by seven points? No way. And We, we have documented evidence, thanks to James O'Keefe, of ballot harvesting in the Somali community. Uh, that's what they do. Uh, again, and by the way, there was no arrests, no investigations. Our FBI is completely useless. Our Department of Justice might as well not exist. We don't even have a justice system anymore in our country. And so, so, Daniel... We win Ohio by eight. We win Iowa by seven. Florida by nearly four. And so the dividing line argument is perfect because Mahonig County, I know a lot of people that grew up there. My dear friend Tom Patrick grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, and that was a Democrat stronghold. They passed down their Catholicism. They passed down their Democrat values and their love of Ohio State football. That's it. Erie, Pennsylvania is the same way. Erie, Pennsylvania is a steel town. It was deindustrialized. That's one of those Trump Obama towns. But despite Trump doing a rally in Erie, Pennsylvania the week before, we're supposed to believe that Joe Biden, who never visited there at all whatsoever in Erie, Pennsylvania, did better there. What, with all that evidence presented to us and you and I both believing that this election is stolen, what is the remedy at this point forward? What is the best way to expose this? through all the standards of evidence that is needed in a court of law, what's the best way to proceed?
1: You know, I don't think you could do it in a court of law in that amount of time, because to put together a judicial case, you need, I mean, a criminal case like this would take a year to put together. I do think the court cases are important to fuel the political solution, which we could talk about just in the sense of telling us what the law is. And I think I know Ken Paxson's lawsuit is asking to push off the safe harbor date, but I think fundamentally what it's about when they write it in there is declaratory judgment of just saying, look, tell us what the law is. Fundamentally, these ballots that were cast in those four states through mail-ins, were they done through unlawful means? And the answer really should be yes. And I think it's important at least a court saying that. Now, what are they going to do with it? You know me, I'm not into judicial supremacism, and I don't think they could just say, oh, I think Trump won. No, nothing. But what that should do is fuel the Republicans who control the legislatures in all four states to not just have the backbenchers try to eke out one committee hearing per uh, per state. but And it's already late in the game. They should have been doing this for weeks already, and leadership in all the respective states should have supported it. And really, as Mark Levin was pushing, they should have passed a concurrent resolution before the election, which would have given them more more just moral authority rather than like, oh, you don't like the election results. She said, look, I mean, we didn't authorize this. These are unilateral changes. These votes are null and void. And you appoint your and and see, it sounds dramatic to say I'm going to appoint Trump electors, but I think if they would take what I gave over to you in 20 minutes and flesh this out day in and day out on televised hearings and have a united Republican Party, it would reach the point where it would make sense for the people to do what you did in 1876. And it's actually very similar. Back then as today, Republicans controlled the Senate, Democrats controlled the House. Each one believed as strongly in their position as the other one did. They had competing slates of electors. The House wouldn't sign off on Hayes. The Senate wouldn't sign off on Tilden. And what you would do is, and I'm not trying to say I necessarily would favor this, but let me just give your audience some sense of how that would work out. They were like, all right, the Republican Hayes is going to be president. So they had a commission, and they they had to make a political compromise. It's in the 11th hour, right before the inauguration. They weren't going to hold another election, but they realized the election was screwed up. And he had to make a compromise and they agreed upon Hayes being the president, but they gave the Democrats the biggest thing they wanted, which was an end of reconstruction. And I think the equivalent of that today would be, and I'm not saying I agree with only this, I'm just throwing out one thing. Okay, Biden could be president, but we get the equivalent of ending reconstruction, which could be ending COVID fascism. It could be speaking to this very issue end mail-in ballot and ballot harvesting and having universal photo ID and proof of citizenship to register the list of five things we want. But the problem, Charlie, and you know, this is my passion and and every issue gets back to this in that we only have 10% of Republicans, 10 to 20% in a given state, elected Republicans that believe in their position or their presumed position as strongly as 100% of the Democrats believe in theirs. So the problem is we're never unfortunately going to get to that point because the Democrats don't have a reason to deal with us and negotiate and have a grand compromise because they get it for free. Because if this came to the Senate, how many would withhold certification? Five? Eight? I mean, it's nowhere close to 51 or the 53 votes they currently have officially And, again, you can't reinvent the wheel in one shot. It would have had to have been done the last few weeks. The state legislature is banging away. People would be convinced by this. There's so much more where this comes from. And then I think it would have made sense. And then once you have their electors, then it becomes ultimately it's really between the House and the Senate. That's the final step of the process. But, I mean, Charlie, this is the same reason why... Republicans control 31 state legislatures and 24 trifectas, and COVID fascism in West Virginia and Ohio looks like it does in California. I mean, there's not much of a difference. Um, This is why criminals are being released in Houston like they are in New York. I mean, we have a broken Republican Party, and I think that's really what this whole saga unfortunately reveals.
0: No, you're exactly right. And also there's so many Republicans that are running to the hills not talking about this, which is why you deserve a lot of credit. And so does the great one for actually highlighting this and diving into this. Uh, so Daniel, just playing this out, if we are not successful in being able to prove this, and you're right, time is a constraint. The only date that is in the Constitution from this point forward is January 20th. These meetings, meetings of electors can be moved. That's all a bunch of nonsense. But usually you have months to put together a lawsuit. Uh, you have a lot of time. Now, January 6th might actually be the counting of the electors. So that might be a legitimate date. But but Daniel, if we do not get clarity on what happened here, I think that our leaders are underestimating what's going to happen next. Now, I was just with a group of very successful CEOs, self-made business people that all love Trump and they're all conservative, about 90 of them. Every single one of them believe it was stolen Half of them think Trump is serving a second term, half. They think that it's just happening. And so we're we're, we're headed is somewhere very dangerous, where you're not going to trust any elections. You're not going to trust anything our leaders say. It'll be a shadow. It'll be a complete and total mirage government. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're not the legitimate ruler. And it's not even the way that the left did it, where it's like, you're not my president, where it was just kind of this pent up anger that I wish we wouldn't have lost. It'll be actual resentment that you shouldn't even be there. Can you talk about the significance of this as far as just keeping our country together? See, what a lot of these Republicans don't realize is this
1: reckoning was a coming for a long time. It's ironically Trump that held it together. I mean, one of the reasons if there's one thing I resented about Trump, it was actually because I wanted this moment to come earlier and his presence kind of excited the base and rejuvenated the Republican Party, which I felt in the long run was just too irremediably broken and it would just, you know, we'd, we'd be back in this position. If, you know, when he rides off into the sunset, which of course he's not gonna go away in that sense, but I mean, presumably Biden will wind up assuming the office. They don't realize, they think they could just go back to the Romney Republican Party. <laughs> that that That's not gonna, I mean, people, once they got the steak, they're not going back to the veggies and that's just not, that's not going to happen so i think before the country just in terms of the republican party they they don't seem to understand you could insult people um into voting republican you could patronize them and threaten them and you might even have good arguments but i mean it's not going to it's not going to work they're not they're not going to put that baby back together and i think look i mean, you're right this is a broader problem that um And I think this will especially happen if the Supreme Court does give a declaratory judgment that these ballots were kind of unlawful, but, you know, work it out in the political process, which is fine. But like I told you, because of the timing and really because just Republicans suck. I mean, that's that's really what it is. I want to make that very clear. You said January 6 matters. You're right. It does. This that's the final step. That's the certification. People think it's the electors meeting in their state houses on December 14th. It's not true. I mean, this was what 1876 was all about. It was the Senate Republicans and the House Democrats would not sign off on it. That was the stalemate. They had to create a commission. They had two more months back then to march. That could be done. I mean, Senate Republicans could stop Biden. I mean, that could be done um, even without the state legislators creating a slate. They could just challenge the results and say, we're not certifying Biden. To be clear, that can happen.
0: They won't do it, and Wait, I think so. The, yeah. the Senate, the Senate can stop the certification on January sixth.
1: Well, well. Let me be clear. I don't. I'm not talking about stopping the process. They could vote not to certify or decline to affirmatively certify it. I mean, that's the thing. The House will get it because that's not a state delegation vote. It's not you know when like the Twelfth Amendment when no one gets a majority. That's going to be a simple vote. Democrats have the votes they'll vote it out of the house the senate will not i mean the senate could say we believe trump won we're not certifying it um that's that's what 1876 that's what happened then
0: and um so then then what, you get you get then you get to a constitutional stalemate basically a
1: stalemate where you have to appoint a commission and, and 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 negotiate you have to i mean everyone calls it a corrupt bargain and and i'm certainly not blessing the tragic jim crow things that came out of the end of reconstruction and everything. But from a political standpoint, I mean, they did work it out that one got the presidency and one got the biggest issue they wanted. And I think more than, more than even not wanting Biden as president, I think we want the situation fixed. And it would be nice if we could come together and say, okay, Biden will be president, but these five election anomalies are over with. So that at least in the future, we could strive to win and trust all el- el- elections. But again, we can't even strive to that because Republicans are fragging the effort. So Democrats are, ju- are just sitting back and laughing. It's a bunch of wackos like Charlie and Daniel and and, and not the, the real smart you know conservatives. Yeah, but yeah. I-,
0: I could tell you this, though. Here's what's going to happen. I thought it was just the House that had to certify. I don't know why I was under that belief. No, it's, it's both. So and is it majoritarian or is it two thirds vote that is needed? No majority, straight majority. Okay. So
1: Dems ha- Dems easily have it, but Republicans officially. In other words, you need fifty-one votes in the Senate to certify Biden as the winner.
0: No, I I, I get that, and so if you count Romney and Murkowski and Collins and all the typical, you know, uh, turncoats to me, but it's much more than that. I'm just
1: telling you, those for sure, but unfortunately, it's more than half of them.
0: No, I know, but that this is a great testing moment. Where yeah. we should we should start saying if all these other lawsuits and things fall apart by January, don't go the way we want them to. By January 1st or 2nd, we should say any Republican that votes to certify this election in the Senate should be kicked out of the party. That should be the official position.
1: Exactly. And everyone's focusing on Mo Brooks from Alabama. He's saying he's going to protest it in the House. And, and God bless him for, for saying that. But let let's keep our focus. They ultimately don't have the votes. Now, it would gum up the works. It would, they would challenge each state delegation. It would take hours. But eventually, where you stop it is in the Senate, where they do officially have a majority.
0: Yeah, and so we do We do have a majority, and I think it'll only expose further kind of the weakness of the Republicans. And so what you're, tra- what you, what you're saying, though, is that Lindsey Graham could be holding hearings right now to inform other senators to now block the certification on January 6th. Is that right? Absolutely. And I don't know why it hasn't been done for a month. And
1: again, just like a lot of people have already mentioned, it was the duty of the state legislatures to get to the bottom of this. I would say people forget it's the duty of Congress because remember that ultimately the framers had to find a unified federal body to be that last step, right? Because I mean, you have a bunch of electors getting together in 50 different states. Well, what if there's a problem? What if there's a contested thing? It's a federal union. Now, they didn't want Congress picking the president. You know, that was one construction they had in the Constitutional Convention. Maybe, like, they vote and select the president. No, the, you know, you vote in the states. But ultimately, they are the ones that, that sign off on that. Remember, um, Mike Pence, as the VP, is the one who presides, ironically, in the House over that certification process. And um, he could say, look, you know, we're taking the Republican slate. Now, Democrats would have to vote it down and they would have the votes. But, you know, if all the Republicans in the House would do it, that would that's something to look at. And then ultimately it has to go to the Senate. And um, I'll tell you this much, Charlie. If the shoe were on the other foot, oh, they would block if the it melons were our thing, Democrats would have made it clear on November 4th forget about the state legislatures but in the senate had they had the senate republicans in the house trump is not the legitimate winner he won it through the fraudulent mail ins
0: we will be we will decline to certify him as the winner and if they would have had if they would have had the power in 2016 to do that they would have done that
1: in 2004 they tried with ohio in the house, they didn't control the house back then, but they did have a a point of order, and they did contest it. And there was a little bit of a debate. You have, I think, two hours of debate if you um, get a senator to sign your um, protest. And they protested Ohio. I mean, they fight. They fight for their causes. And I I think like I just want to say a word if you have a moment about the Georgia runoff. Um, I I just there's a very very sharp debate and certainly on social media i guess even within let's say maga type of conservatives and trump's base over what to do with the georgia runoffs and i have a third position on it you know so some are like well you always have to vote republican at all costs how dare you give it to the democrats others are like it's time to send them a message and my point is it doesn't matter you know you vote for the republicans it won't matter you send them the message they won't get the message anyway The broader thing is, broadly, what are we all going to do together about having a movement and a party that actually fights for us? Let me say this. There's one very legitimate argument to always voting for crappy Republicans over the Democrat no matter what, except the problem is that argument doesn't apply to the people propagating it, and that is this. See, with a Democrat— talk to the hand. They're never going to listen to you. You can't pressure them. You can't influence them. I mean, that's it. At least with a Republican, you could get your foot in the door and have your entire constituency get on their case on every issue every day between election day. But the problem is these very conservative commentators that are very passionate about the need to Vote Republican, but I don't, and, and I'm fine with that in a vacuum if that's your position. I respect that and that there's what to be said about it. But if you're that close with Leffler and Purdue and these, and I'm, you know, it's not just them, it's really most of them, where are you every doggone day using that influence? You're right. You, we want them in so you can influence them, but I'm not seeing it. So, for example, just this week as we're debating this, they go, I mean, tech is slaughtering us. I think you're out. Um, ahead of the curve on that issue before I was. You really warned about that. Like, dude, we're not gonna win. We we can't win anything. I can't get a single COVID data mask piece published. Any it's a no-fly zone. It's it's a it's a Chernobyl. You cannot get the truth out. And they voted to give a tech visa handout to these very companies while we have an election problem, a COVID fascism problem, a crime insurrection problem mob violence problem and this is where their brains are and i don't see the statements from leffler and purdue and any of these other guys like indulge us at least while you're running for office like they used to lie and then get in and do nothing like the best they say is democrats are socialists they want to abolish the police i'm for the american dream but they're not speaking to the damn issues like that's what bothers me like like at least make pretend like you're gonna do something. Like we don't even force that upon them, so you can see what I'm saying. This argument of ultimately, if you have a ballot in front of you, okay, you know, Dem or Republican, what do I do? I think that's a straw man if none of us do anything else aside from that stupid election, which takes three seconds to fill out. what are we doing every day for two years between the elections, either you know pressuring them stronger to to get better on the issues or fundamentally reforming the party the way we View issues, our entire approach to politics.
0: When running a business, HR issues can kill you. I can tell you from Turning Point USA that wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, they can really add up. HR manager salaries are never cheap. They're an average of $70,000 a year. Look, you've heard me talk about Bambi before. They're terrific. It's Bambi spelled B A M B E E. They were created specifically for you, the small businessman. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business. And they help you manage your employees day-to-day all for just $99 a month. Month to month, there are no hidden fees. Cancel any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Kirk right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Kirk. Spell BAM to the B-E-E dot com slash Kirk. The reason that none of that happens is because the people that control the apparatus are corporate types. They're Chamber of Commerce types that, quite honestly, they look at politics as a factor into their business model. It's not about the country. It's not about patriotism, It's not about culture, not about the social issues you and I care about, not about stopping crime, not about stopping the mobs. For them, they look at senators as owned and operated enterprises of their corporate crusade. And you and I are free enterprise guys. We like private property, but we also don't like corporate tyranny when all of a sudden our public policy is created by for corporations at the expense of middle-class workers. You look at these lockdowns. These lockdowns have been the greatest handout to corporate America in history, absent the hotel, airline, and cruise industry. But they'll get all their money, by the way. They'll get stimulus money anyway. So they're going to they're gonna be made new, and all their smaller competitors will get wiped out. So long-term, the hotel restaurant and cruise industry will be stronger in five years on the corporate level, like the ruling class level. So even they're exempt from this. But the data companies, the package delivery companies, that's what I call Amazon. They're just a package delivery company. They don't make anything. They just process. They're a fulfillment company. They figure out how to do packages. And now Jeff Bezos is wealthier than Caligula ever was when he ran the Roman Empire and probably just as morally compromised. And yet what the Republicans are You hit you hit it perfectly. The people that run the Republican Party they actually don't care. They don't. They do not care about the stuff we care about. God bless Mitch McConnell for judges. I want Loeffler and Purdue to stop the Democrat mob. I want all of that. But there is going to be an uprising, and these people don't realize this because normal people and conservatives and people of faith like both of us are going to all of a sudden say, "Wait a second, we have put so much work into you." And yes, the guy that sometimes say stuff you don't like and tweet stuff you don't, that makes you wince, but he got more done in four years when he came onto the scene than you guys have done in 40 years. And this is a great testing moment. I'm going to all of a sudden basically beat the drum. Every republic, this will be the, the defining test will be what Republicans in the United States Senate vote to certify this election on January 6th. That is now the new test. Roll call. Come on, Lindsey Graham, you want a conservatives come donate for you. Are you going to go certify this election? Mitch McConnell, you're in a tough race. Joni Ernst, Steve Daines, friends of mine, are you going to vote to certify this election? The answer should be no. To your point, we probably won't get it. By the way, Mitch McConnell can refuse to bring the motion to the floor. Mitch McConnell can say, I'm not going to vote on it. Not going to happen. Yeah, re- remember, they,
1: they don't have the power to get Trump in. That, that already, because they don't have the House. But like you said, you, you put it very well. It's not a matter of an affirmative vote. Um, it's just you you downright have to get Biden certified and they could just like yeah we we protest i mean which is why in 1876 they never even had a vote because they knew each side would oppose, oppose each other uh republicans controlled the senate it's exactly like it was now but again back then the republicans believed in their constituents and their views the way the democrats did and that's how you had a stalemate we can't even get see ironically everyone's like there's so much bitter partisanship it's like a civil war in the country actually we have more acrimony listen to this we have more acrimony in the country because we've never had that crossing of the swords we never forced the issue because See, sometimes when you really confront each other, you have to start making a compromise, and which in my view needs to be some sort of national divorce. And I don't necessarily mean like literally a two-state solution, but in a way where we could live agreeably in various states. Democrats already have this in their states. They do whatever the heck they want. They have illegal aliens come in and do whatever they want. So we should be able to have sanctuaries for Americans and American values and liberties under corona fascism. But we don't because Republicans don't, they don't force Democrats to a point where they feel they need to make those concessions. Why should they? Um, they're out there championing their cause. They're agreeing with them. Like I recently heard a speech and, and I think this is very important. And it's a very important for your activists. You have a lot of good ones. If Biden becomes president, you know theoretically, there should be a lot of good things that we can do. Now, foreign policy is tough. I mean, yeah, he's going to do his Iran thing and kiss up to Iran and Castro. There's not much you can do about that. But in domestic policy, which is really most of what's destroying our life now, Republicans are going to control 31 state legislatures and 24 states with the trifecta. A lot of those states, they have super majorities. And some, like the Great Plains, the Democrats are wiped off the map. There's two Democrats left in in the South Dakota legislature. And my point is this. You look at West Virginia. Republicans have greater majorities in the legislature than Democrats have in California. Yet, I listened to the Republican governor there, Jim Justice. He gave a speech about if only if if masks only save one life, he he literally sounded like Cuomo. And this is West freaking Virginia, where Trump carried every county both times. And you know, I live in Maryland, it's a cesspool, and I'm looking for a place where I could live. And I'd say, look, the, the Pennsylvania panhandle is is well, that maybe name, but Pennsylvania panhandle is an hour and a half away from me. They have the same COVID fascism as Maryland does. So I don't want to hear this. Well, Daniel, this is the difference between 52 and 48 seats in the Georgia rounds. I'll do better for you. I'll show you places where they have 70, 80% majorities in both houses, the governor, the attorney general, the lieutenant governor. And it's like, what's your excuse there? You're, you're, you're joining in with that. I mean, you're promulgating the same stuff. The left is, and this is the big lie about the, oh, it's the filibuster. Oh, we need the house. Oh, we need this. They have it in a bunch of states. If we had Republicans that were worth more than a bucket of spit, you could have
0: easily a third of the country that could be as MAGA as California as Looney. And that is, those are people like Christy Nome and Ron DeSantis. And what ends up happening is they actually get more popular is that they actually persuade more people. And that is how Republican states actually become more Republican. When you have people like Governor Burgum or Kim Reynolds or Mike DeWine, all of a sudden they do mask mandates and they shut down their states, you become less popular. Ron DeSantis will win re-election in 2022 by maybe 8 to 10 points in a state that used to be a competitive state. Why? Because when you go drive through Winter Park or you go drive through Sarasota, all of a sudden, even the suburban moms are like, my kids are in school. My businesses are open. I know what this virus can do. If I'm scared, I'm going to stay at home. I'm not going to see the you know, older people in my life. But he has got us back to life quicker than anyone else. And that's Ron DeSantis, who's just maligned by the media every single day. And what I'm hopeful for, though, Daniel, and I want your comments on this, is that I think that we're – those of us that believe in the conservative movement, those of us that were part of the Tea Party movement in 2010, where all of a sudden our ideas were given this huge platform, and then all of a sudden we saw what Boehner and all these people were really all about, I actually think we're in charge. I actually think that the establishment is weaker than they ever have been. I I hope you're right, and I hope people see the jarring
1: contrast. Why do we keep mentioning Ron DeSantis? Because the problem is we can't find... Other names. I mean, there's 27 Republican governors, and there's only two of them that are decent on the issue of our time, which literally affects our life more than anything it has. That's correct. You know, you only have Ron DeSantis, who's the one that's pushing an anti BLM Antifa mob violence um bill that's dealing with that. I mean, you look at him and the gulf between him and a Doug Ducey, uh uh Brian Kemp and I'm not even getting to a uh, Dewine. I mean, like that's like a whole nother level, is greater than the gulf between them and the Democrats. And 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 we can't continue this game of this schizophrenic party. You know, it's like it's like going to battle with a gun where the bullet comes out the other other side every time you fire it. You can't have the overwhelming majority of your elected Republicans echoing, parroting, and implementing everything the left says, even on the most radical issues of our time. Like you can't go on like that, so I think our lesson you brought up the tea party and and I think here's my concern and and, and this is we're we're at a crossroads, and again, I don't want to presuppose Biden as president, but I think if we're just talking in terms of planning forward, it wouldn't be that way if we were in charge, but unfortunately, the Republicans are the way they are. but there are actually a lot of opportunities, and the thing is, Obama won a much bigger mandate than Biden he legitimately won a lot of people legitimately voted for him they liked him they liked his persona they thought he was uh, you know going to be some fresh change nobody voted for Biden uh, obviously a lot of the extra votes are fraudulent a lot of the real votes were really they just didn't like Trump's persona they certainly don't like the radical you know anarchist ideas of the left and Democrats have no self-awareness and they can't control themselves even Obama fell out of favor within a couple months in that spring of 2009, very quickly. And Republicans won a historic election based on that. We're going to have that opportunity. I mean, they'll be out of favor with the electorate within six weeks when you no longer have Trump as the false flag for these suburban voters. Oh, I hate Trump. Okay. Well, fine. Now you have the policies to deal with. Freeze frame. What do we do then? That's the challenge because the problem we had last time is that all of the energy we created got jujitsued into this black hole of the GOP. It it went into electing, every Republican is anti-Biden. There's no principled Republican like a Republican hopelessly out of power. They all sound like us. They're all going to say the same things. Oh, look at what Biden's doing. Look what the Democrats doing. Look what they want to do. Never mind all of the opportunities they had to deal with it mechanically, but rhetorically during the campaign, they'll countenance our ideas and our rhetoric. And ironically, Charlie, here's the deal. It's the dudes that get the money from the chamber types that have the money to buy the name recognition to put out our stuff so they can then get in and do the opposite. And we elect the same Republican clowns, rinse and repeat the same cycle every decade, This is our challenge. How do we finally change the vicious cycle and force a point where either you fundamentally reform the Republican Party or you start a new party? Which I will just tell you, Charlie, if all of our colleagues would be on board with that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You take the energy that's out there with Trump being shafted by Republicans now. Typically, people were reluctant to go down this route because they're like, well, I don't want three parties and you split the vote and Democrats win. I will tell you, if the people that complain about that would join in this, well, you'd have two parties because Bill Crystals don't exist in the real world. I mean, you don't, there's no constituency for that. I mean, you have donors for that, but in large numbers, you don't have a constituency for we empower the Republican Party's existence. So I'm just saying we need a do-or-die moment where either we come up with a way to finally take over the party, which, in all honesty, I've worked that for 10 years, and I don't really – and I I don't say this in jest. I mean, the reason why I'm pushing a new party is because I've tried with the primaries. They have more money. They lie. They say our candidates are the liberals, and theirs are the conservatives. They have more name, ID and money, and they wind up winning, rinse and repeat. They play the game. They control the party. Maybe if you go to state conventions instead of popular primaries, is something to, to look at. We. My point is I'm open to all ideas. We all need to – I think people like you and I need to get together in a constitutional convention-style meeting where we pray together and we recognize what we are doing. And that includes myself. I'm speaking to myself. is not working. We have more tyranny than ever. We have more anarchy than ever. We have more debt than ever. We have more dependency than ever. I mean, on very few measures outside of foreign policy, are we in a good position domestically? We have more criminal aliens not deported than ever. We're not making progress. And I'm not saying this is Trump's fault. I'm saying, Charlie, you could elect Ron DeSantis as president. But in the current framework of the Republican Party, he might be a little bit more intellectually coherent than Trump but you're not going to they're not you're not going to change the you're not going to be more successfully across the uh, the board than Trump was because you're going to have the same problems that basically the higher you get the crap rises to the top so you start off in the counties and maybe 30 40% of county republicans are good you go to the state house, maybe about 30% of state house Republicans are good, but none of them are, are in leadership. Very few are in leadership. You go to the state senate, it's more like one fifth of the Republicans are good. You go to the house, US house. I don't know. What do you think? There's about 200 Republicans, 10, 15%. You know, your Mo Brooks of the world, your Andy Biggs, your whatever. I mean, there aren't many of them. You go to the senate. Help me out here, Charlie, Senate and governor, two out of 27 governors out of 53 Republican senators. I I mean, (laughs) I'm just saying this is the problem. It's not a matter of when I was younger. I'm a little older than you, Charlie. So I was doing this a little bit like in the Lincoln Chafee, Jim Jeffords, days the Arlen Specter, the previous decade, right? So when I started out, I thought it was like fundamentally, okay. you got 45 good Republicans, 47, just like like five or so rhinos. Let's work on some primaries. I think we all know the rot is a lot deeper than that.
0: I think that I think that the idea of party fracturing is inevitable. The only thing that I disagree with those, I think the Democrats should and will do it first. I think that they actually have a fault line that they've been completely ignoring philosophically. I actually think we can learn something from Trump that he should have capitalized on more, which is the number one issue that is underneath all of this, Daniel. And it's an issue that conservatives uh, quite honestly ignored, and that is the money and politics issue. Normal people can understand this, that massive corporations purchase politicians for their political gain, to access to, you know, advantageous public policy to be able to get laws, tax codes written in their favor. It's not anything market based. It is favoritism based. And the one reason why Trump was so attractive, despite everything they threw at him, is that he had this appearance and it was true that he could not be bought. It's the number one thing that you would hear from grassroots conservatives and people that are first time Trump voters is that he can't be bought. Now, Bernie Sanders had a similar type of appeal, awful public policy, ideas. But one of the reasons that Bernie Sanders had a crossover with Trump is this idea that they could not be bought. One of the worst things that we did as conservatives is we embraced this deluge of corporate money post-Citizens United. Yeah, It's one of the worst things that we did. We started doing deals with the devil, all of a sudden getting hundreds of millions of dollars from crony corporate interests that wanted to pander to China, keep the borders open, and then bow down to big tech. And then now we're living through this set of circumstances where our entire party has a laundry list of favors that they owe to some lobbyist or corporate master that does not have America's best interests at heart. And I actually think what's really promising and the direction the party is heading is a citizen-based party that has – that is grassroots funded, that denies mm-hmm. corporate money, and let me give me give you a little bit of hope though. Matt Gates comes out and says, "I'm not taking PAC money." First Republican to do so, no one has followed suit, and interestingly enough, only only he and AOC, Rashida Talib, Ayanna Pressley, and Elon Omar are saying that. Now the left, they have a built-in advantage because the left they think of, they think of, they're like the Borg from Star Trek. They think as a body, everyone puts in five dollars. That is my that is their tithe, right? So you know you'll 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 tithe to a synagogue. I tithe to a church. Like we just think that's what we do. To them, they tithe to the Democrat Party, right? That is their church. That is their religion. So it's just easier for them to be able to raise small dollar donors. But I'm I'm excited because we are starting to see a younger, more based. Um, positive Republican that's different than the Tea Party wave, though. It, it's the Josh Hawley types. Uh, it is, you know, it is Matt Gates. It is Madison Cawthorn from North Carolina. But nothing will change, Daniel, to your point, until we fix the money in politics issue. Nothing. And, and, and it's different than th- they want. They want taxpayer funded elections. They want all this crap. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that it's not healthy when Goldman Sachs can come in and bring in five million dollars to your race. That's not good for the country. It's not; it's purchasing of politicians. I'm not saying you make it illegal. I'm just pinpointing the problem. And in closing, what are your thoughts on on that well, as a, a baseline? So I issue? would
1: say that that is that is really where the money is. That that that's the fulc- fulcrum of this because I think, um, and I'm trying to remember, it was this guy David Shore, who was a really young whiz kid strategist for Obama. He he recently did an amazing interview, very insightful from a leftist perspective of where he sees the country. And he was very – he's a socialist, and he was very concerned that the Democrats are embracing the cultural Marxism, you know, like the open the borders and the, and the criminal stuff and the transgender stuff. And he thinks that, you know, the fiscal socialism sells in his mind, and he thinks they're ruining it. And he, he – it was great seeing it from him because, you know, we always said he was like, you know, the Democrat base is actually more center. The vote – the actual Democrat voters are more to the center – of where their party apparatus is, whereas with Republicans, it's the opposite. And a lot of that's because of the donors. I mean, it's really the donors. Like, you know, where do you get... There's no money in the Constitution and in sovereignty and in traditional values. There's no money there. That's part of the problem. And I think just to put a finer point on what you're saying with money in politics, it's also the focus, and the money is driving that focus. And that's this whole tax cut business. Now, you and I... We understand the economics. We understand it's stupid to raise taxes. We get it. But I once wrote a whole thesis called low-tax socialism. And what Republicans have enabled in the last couple decades is something very interesting. They've allowed the corporations to get off on the cheap, meaning Democrats have 100 things they want to do. Republicans bail them out from the two things – that the corporations don't like about the Democrats. And then they could turn around and enforce cultural Marxism against us on the cheap without having to worry about empowering the Democrats because they'll destroy them. And what Republicans did, which was a big mistake, conservatism, free markets, and I think you've alluded to this, it's a full package. Stop the split the baby conservatism. It has to come together. You can't have low tax socialism. So, You know, in Europe, you have high tax socialism, and I actually think it's better. The people are brainwashed, but that's where they are, but they have skin in the game. So you have that 45% tax bracket that comes in very low at like 90,000 income in France, and they don't have all these deductions to lower your effective tax rate. So you got to feel the pain. The people feel the pain if that's what you want. Here, we found a great way with the Federal Reserve to basically. Once we start oh, with true. the deficit spending, you could just buy off everyone on the cheap. Taxes are relatively low for most people at a corporate and individual level. So everyone's happy. They they shoot at the regulations that the big corporations don't like, which often they're a problem. But then they leave out others that are more more affect small businesses or they support policies like COVID fascism, which is the ultimate regulatory market distortion against small businesses. And then that's when they could turn around and say, aha, uh-huh, now we got you. We got our tax cuts. We got our thing. So we don't have to fear the Democrats. Now we could turn around and promote mass release of criminals, promote open borders, promote that's all the right. visa stuff, promote all the wokeness. And I think we also have to be more strategic when we deal with the money, be more strategic with our issues. And you can have... Republicans 100% righteous on taxes, but then horrible on every other fiscal and certainly social issue, because then you actually enable that. That's what we need to work on in the current years. I have no problem going to the corporation and saying, hey, we're going to stand back and allow Democrats to raise back the corporate rate to maybe 30%. I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm just saying the we have to do battle with them and we're under a greater existential threat than just tax rates. What they're able to do with COVID fascism is greater than any tax or anything. And, you know, that's the way to do it. And also frankly, not just the corporations, but the people as well. You know, a lot of these suburban households, let's face it, you know, taxes, unless you're earning a tremendous amount of money, I'm not trying to put people down. I know you You had the property taxes, sale taxes, people pay a lot in taxes, but it's nothing like other countries. We have Europe socialism in America. We've had it for a while, except we have it with deficit spending because we control the dollar, Um, which is why we have a worse COVID policy than Europe does. Most countries in Europe are not as tyrannical as America. And the reason is because they can't afford that. We just dump trillions of dollars at people. But you know what? I want people to pay for it. You want lockdown? I want you to have the Anne Frank style lockdown. You, I, I want you to do it, but you can't do it. So what we did is we dumped trillions of dollars. Here's your checks. Here's your PPP. That's crap. You know, th- this is how you get a more left wing. You know, sometimes we could be so principled in a vacuum that you get a worse left wing outcome than you'll ever get. So we, we can't be imbalanced in our approach. You have to look at everything like, you know, I'm sympathetic to, hey, let's attract talent from the world, but you got to be careful. You can't allow China and India, through Bill Gates starting in the '80s, to monopolize it and culturally gerrymander our people out of jobs, and then spawn trade theft and espionage based on that, like we're seeing with the whole, uh, um, you know, Christine Fang business. You know starting with the student visas, the four hundred thousand a year, this is the mistake our people have made. They're eating us alive as Karl Marx said, we're going to make the capitalists pay for the rope to hang themselves. We got to move away from that.
0: Lenin said the best way to destroy the middle class is through taxation and inflation. What we have is hyper corporate tyranny that actually does quite well with inflation. They own land, they have products that people are going to continue to buy. Uh, Jeff Bezos will only get wealthier with more dollars being infused. Into the market, inflation is actually—it's uh, a tax on working people and it's a gift to the rich. And this is exactly where the socialists are going to get their power: is they're going to—they're going to ger- they're gonna demagogue a situation that cronyism has created. And our corporate Republicans don't understand this. And Daniel, I appreciate the kind words where you said about the tech issue. I felt like, yeah. um, I I was getting in everyone's ear for years. When you and I did Life Liberty Levin, we did a whole segment on tech tyranny. And you know, Mark pushed back a little bit. We had a good you know conversation about it because it really wasn't like in vogue. This was back in 2018, and now we're all living through this pseudo dystopian nightmare. In closing, what is your thought on the tech issue? They they own almost all of our politicians except Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, and a few others. In closing, what's your take on that?
1: Nothing matters until we deal with that. I mean, you and I can't get our stuff out. I mean, they'll contr- they will control the airwaves, they control the podcasting, they control the written content, is, is they control every delivery system. I can't find my own articles on Google because I've written so many and I can't often like, I try to like type in words that I know are in there and I can't find it. Um, you can't get our information out. I mean, that's the problem. We're always like, we're conservatives, we'll make smarter arguments. Well, where's your delivery system? You could build a nuclear bomb, but you don't have a delivery system. This is the problem we have with that. Um, This is why I think the NDAA is exactly the place to to fight this. And of course, very few Republicans want to fight Section 230. I think we need to start fighting it on a state level, frankly, too. And I think maybe this is something to work with the DeSantis of the world and to start to go after big tech with with the um, clamping down of of freedom of speech. Because I think the mistake that I made early on is I saw the first generation of censorship. And it was like, all right, it's kind of subtle. You know what I mean? It's kind of... Now it's like it is a straight-up no-fly zone. Like, you know, if you say, hey, like, you know, you had a mask mandate for six months and cases are going up, so, like, what's the deal? That them fighting words there. That's like, like putting up an Al Qaeda decapitation video, which of course you could put up. Like you know that that's what it is. You can't get around that. Like that that's what we're seeing. I, I would put up videos and Trump would retweet them, and it would get three hundred views on YouTube, and it just didn't make any sense. I mean, so it took I had to see it myself, and I just I, I don't see how we even anything you and I want to do requires communication whether it's a new party, whether it's a reformed party, whether it's an issue focus, whether it's a grassroots campaign. Well, maybe we'll get together and have a bunch of Facebook pages to fight the lockdowns and organize. Oh, oh, wait, we can't. You can't can't do that. Um, It's checkmate. I mean, they got us. They got us because, again, those organizations got what they wanted from us. We gave it to them for free. Because we were so into the free market that now we don't have any free market left.
0: Daniel, you're a good American. Your podcast, I'm supposed to plug it. What's it called?
1: CR Podcast on Blaze TV. You can find an it iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you see podcasts, CR see Podcast with Daniel Horowitz. That's conservative review. We review what's important to conservatives every day.
0: Now, do me a favor come back very soon. You're very smart, and I usually cut off podcasts before this, so you're a smart guy. <laughs> I really appreciate enjoyed. it really appreciate it, it was very looking good. forward to coming back god bless you speak to you soon thanks take care thanks so much for listening everybody if you want to get involved with turning point usa you go to tpusa.com where we play offense the sense of urgency to win america's culture war email us your questions as always freedom at charliekirk.com thank you guys so much for listening god bless speak to you soon